All right. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Mason Wilson from the Worm to the Boardman podcast. Today, we'll be talking with Miss Alice Garcia, talking about parent transition, transitioning, and transitioning HR strategy. I'm your host, as always, Mason Wilson, Global Strategy and Operations, Go-to-Market Strategy at Google, Combat Veteran, Duke MBA, and West Pointer. And so for those that don't know, Alice Garcia, she's a senior HR strategist at a large bank, a real estate investor, property manager. She also served as the business strategy planning director at USA, AG officer, uh, West Point Outreach Admissions Officer. She's a graduate of both West Point and St. Mary's University. So Alice, I'll pass it over to you from here. Yeah, thanks. You know, I originally from Houston, Texas. So I'm a Texas girl at heart. I uh, enjoyed my time at, at West Point. And then after I was a AG officer in the Army, I moved on to corporate world. I spent about 13 years on the corporate side in HR. And I've recently transitioned to being a small business owner doing property management. Very nice. And so talking, telling us a little bit more about your background. You said you're from San Antonio. How did you come into the military? Like what kind of prompted that in your life? It's a schedule change, actually. So I was a varsity swimmer. When I started high school, I tried to put a team, made varsity. And uh, unfortunately, we had to change my schedule. And so I got stuck in Army JROTC. And I remember coming home and telling my mom, like, oh, it's the worst thing ever. I got stuck in ROTC. They wear a uniform. Like, none of the cool kids are in this class. And uh, she pulled me aside and she said, you know, when I was uh, in high school, the women weren't even allowed to be cadets. They had to be sponsored, she said. So I was the sponsor, basically the secretary to the male cadets in her class that were um, in ROTC or JROTC. So she should be thankful that you can actually be a cadet. And so you're going to be in the class, like stop complaining. <laughs> like At least you get the thing that I couldn't, you know, that she couldn't do as a, as a high school student. So I uh, sulked, <laughs> still sulked, of course, you know, teenage angst. Went to the class. It was easy. We had a, you know, a test every week on chain of command and I looked at it as a way to get an easy A, you know, for my for my GPA. And it was an instructor, starting first class Williams. And he asked me, you know, have you ever thought about joining the drill team? I'm like, well, no, I swim, <laughs> practice every day. It just so happened that the pool and the ROTC building were next to each other. So I could actually see them practicing when I was swimming laps. And uh, he's like, you know, we could use someone to to be involved and you know, hold the guide on. You know, it's not really that hard. You just hold the guide on. And, so he got me into that. <laughs> then it was, that was kind of boring and lame to just pull the guy down while everybody else is, you know, spinning the rifles. And so that progressed. And then I was on the drill team, a full member, and we go from one practice to the other. And he's the one who uh, first told me about West Point. So he asked, you know, what are you going to do about college? And I said, well, whoever gives me the most money, <laughs> where I'm going. Because so I knew that we didn't have the money for college. And I knew college was not an option. It was something I was going to have to do. One that I really wanted to do as well. When he told me about West Point, I said, well, West, California? That's, I don't think my mom, my parents are going to like me to go to California. He said, no, it's in New York. I'm like, well, I don't think that's any better. So he ended up talking to my, my mom, my dad, and told them about West Point. That's really how I, I found out about it, how I learned about it. I ended up, spoiler alert, staying all four years <laughs> in Army JROTC and and leading the core for the Houston Independent School District. And it was that life-changing, you know, schedule change from art <laughs> to ROTC that led me to where I am today. 
Very nice. And so you mentioned that your mother, she couldn't be a cadet. And so she had tried. And so was some of that like family, I guess, tradition or legacy, was that part of the reason why you stayed? Or was it more you were looking for something else, maybe internal development opportunities? Can you talk about that? In JRTC, it definitely was that first just living up to my family had a traditional service. So both my parents worked for the city in different aspects. And this idea of giving back to the community was ingrained in me since a kid, since I was a child. You know, whether it's helping your neighbors or feeding homeless, there was always a way to get back. And my, I found out later on that my dad had been in Vietnam and was in the Army and the Air Force. And while he never pushed any type of military service, it ended up that both my sister and I ended up serving. So I think that culture, I mean, it probably comes from the Hispanic culture. There's a lot of giving back in the community and family in our in our culture. And so it was a way of of continuing that legacy of culture and service. On my dad's side, I think I'm the third generation to serve, but the first woman. And so it wasn't something that we they boasted about. It was just an expectation that, you know, if you're a man in this family, you're going to serve. And so from my dad and his grandfather and his great-grandfather, they all have had served in the military. But again, it wasn't something that was pushed. It just came, I think, as a way of, of how you are part of being a good citizen and the opportunity to be in this country is a way, it, you know, service is a way of showing that gratitude. And how has that shaped kind of where you are now? Um, one, kind of where are you now? And then two, can you talk about how that military influence, your Hispanic culture, family kind of influenced where you are now in the HR space? You know, in the, in the Army, I was a personnel officer. So, and even as a cadet, I was always more interested in the people in the military and how the people worked and and when I was first thinking of that transition from this military to civilian, I knew that there wasn't always that value of the military human resources work in the corporate side. And so I started out at USA in a program in order to learn the business. And so I started in insurance and I knew that I needed to build my reputation and show what I could do, what I was capable of before I could get that role in HR. I really had to build some relationships in order to do that. And so after two or three years of doing different roles in insurance and as a chief of staff, I was able to move into HR and work in HR strategy, which was my dream job <laughs> and got to work in some really cool um, forward thinking strategic work when it came to human resources around employee engagement, employee empowerment, you know, how to make employees feel uh, satisfied in the work that they're doing, as well as in the job and on the teams that they're in, as well as forward thinking and, you know, how do you plan for the employee of the future? What does that look like? What are they wanting from a company? What benefits are they wanting? What's the value proposition that companies need to come forward with in order to draw and attract top talent and also retain them? Because you can, you know, a lot of companies will attract talent, <laughs> but it's the retaining part that's important. Um, if that's the goal of the company, you know, their strategy may be just to retain, you know, attract talent even for a short, short amount of time, but you find that the longer you keep an employee, the more loyal and and hopefully more productive, you know, productive they are as they stay with you for a long amount of time. So, and now my current role, I work in HR strategy for a different bank, and um, really have loved seeing the the similarities as well the differences between how they both approach planning for that employee of the future as well as what does that HR function as a of the future look like? Uh, you know, the last. I guess how long I've been doing this years, HR has really evolved into not just uh, being a transactional type of function, but really advising 
the line of business into how they can best utilize their resources and thinking about how to um, be advisors to those leaders into how to make better decisions based on things like data and analytics and, you know, organizational effectiveness, that kind of stuff. I mean, those are very pertinent challenges, especially these days in a post-intra-COVID environment. And so based on that, where do you see yourself going? Do you see yourself as more like a CHRO? Do you see yourself kind of doing something else? You know, as, as comfortable as you feel answering that question. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think in the future, I definitely would like to have the opportunity to be a CHRO, particularly with a small startup. I think being able to start with something at the beginning and grow it as opposed to trying to come in at and you know at a big company and fix things. A lot of a lot of HR now can be just fixing issues or things that have occurred because you know you've grown too fast as a company or you didn't have the right leaders in place or you didn't have the right structure in place. I'm hoping that in doing that with a startup you can I can start start correctly, start as you know at least plan as well as I can and then grow that that business with you know visionary leader as the CEO. And for those young AG officers that are out there, other human resource professionals, can you give some advice about how HR in the business space is different than military HR, both in scope or also in responsibilities, anything that's helpful? Yeah, you know, they are about people, right? So there's that similarity, of course. The main difference, I would say, is that from a military perspective, you are... That's that strength management of knowing who your backup and your your succession plan is one of the most critical parts of of resource planning in the military. On the corporate side, I was surprised how lacking a lot of companies can be when it comes to succession planning. There's a lot of times that there's senior leaders that they don't have a plan for, and then somebody leaves to go to another company or somebody you know chooses to retire and they don't have a plan for who's going to take over that role. So that's a key difference. I think the military is actually a lot better at recognition. You know, a lot of us would laugh about or, you know, wonder. We had those kind of medals and achievements and things that sometimes you just felt like it was a rubber stamp because you finished a duty station. But I think that in the moment of being in the military, you don't realize that that being recognized, even though that's not why you do it, it does mean something. The fact that somebody took the time to write about you and recognize whatever it is that you did for that period of time, it becomes kind of standard and rote and, and people don't see that significance. But I feel like on the civilian side, we that recognition is sometimes has to be forced because you don't get an award or a ribbon every time you move a job or move companies. You might get a pat on the back or a, you know, a poster or you know, a plaque maybe. But the, I think in a lot of the civilian side, they, they're not as good at recognizing contribution and you have to kind of remind people to recognize each other. Whereas I think even though it is something that's expected and, and has to happen in, on the military side, you don't realize the value there is of having your peers and your team recognize you that I felt was missing in the corporate side. So you're saying in terms of both the recognition component, but also in terms of kind of succession playing, that's kind of the major difference to pick that up, right? At least I have experience. I'm sure there's a tons of others. I guess the career planning is a big one. So I didn't think the career planning. So in the military, you know, you have your human resources command and you have, you know, command and things, schools you needed to go to and and things that, that were kind of lined out for your, your branch or your area or your MOS that you had to achieve in order to have points for promotions or go to promotion boards. You know, on the civilian side, you really 
own you have to take ownership of your career. There's no branch manager telling you, hey, you need to go to this school in order to get that job. And there's no nobody telling you, you know, this would be a great next step or a feather in your cap for this other opportunity. You have to find a mentor. You have to find and be that advocate for yourself that is different when you think of HR. There, there's a ton of, there's a small team of people doing talent development and leadership development in the corporate side. But there's not a whole area set up to make sure that, you know, Alice gets to go to this command or to this promotion or, you know, that no one is doing that for you on the corporate side, as opposed to the military side. So it's a big difference as well. And how do you navigate not only that asymmetry, if you will, but also just that you can take any career path that you want to, like whatever you can theoretically conceive, your career can, can make that progression. Yeah. I mean, it's overwhelming at first, right? Because <laughs> you're start realizing you're getting out of the military. I think for myself, it was, there's so many options. (laughs) Like I can really be, I can be all that I can be, you know, (laughs) but what is that that I want to do? And it it comes down to doing your research in a lot of ways, you know, they were uh, figuring out what makes you happy. You know, in the army, I didn't really, not that the job didn't make me happy, but I didn't have a choice in them. They just told me, (laughs) you know, this is where you're going next. And you go and you do the job. You get a job description and you do it. I didn't choose necessarily so maybe diversity missions, I applied for that one. But otherwise, you know, I didn't choose necessarily the job that was given to me. On the corporate side, or your post-military career, you are the author of your, your career. You get to figure out what is it you want to do. And that is terrifying in some ways if you don't know. And so I've always, you know, for me, I, I started researching like two years out. I started going to conferences and figuring out, you know, there's a lot of people who want to hire veterans. Do I want to do the jobs they're trying to have me do? Do I want to do sales? Do I want to do retail? You know, what's important to me? Is it location or is it the title? Is it the pay or is it the work? And, you know, there's a lot of assessments and there's a lot of, you know, resources for veterans during that transition time that I don't think because there's so many that they take advantage of, or maybe you take advantage of one. Or just it's so overwhelming, you take whatever job is offered to you first and you don't negotiate and you just, you're happy that you have a job. (laughs) But doing your research ahead of time and figuring out, you know, what are the things that you like doing that are in other jobs? So not necessarily a job title, but the job work, which is harder, I think, when you're transitioning because you don't know what you don't know. Like (laughs) the, the civilian titles are are all different. And so that's where I think those transitioning programs and career coaching and talking to other veterans who've done the transition and working with some of those nonprofits that will help you is key in helping you focus into what you want to do and then helping you figure out what are the steps you need to do to get there. All, all great nuggets, especially, you know, you can fall into the veteran monolith of sales, operations, like building security. <laughs> and you're like, that's cool. Okay. Or I could do something else. Uh, I hear everyone saying that they're going to be a project manager. And I'm like, okay, do you know what they do? <laughs> do you have a certification? Have you actually figured out if you, I mean, just because you did a, you did the function a lot in the military, is that really what you want to do? Or is it because, you know, everyone you know is getting out and becoming a project or a program manager? That may not be the job for you. Also, an even better point, letting something that you decided 18 or 22, 21, determine the rest of your, your working career as opposed to branching out. And so I guess along that line, since you decided to stay in HR, can you talk about 
where you said the people were kind of what kept you there. What is it about corporate HR that kind of kept you in that space as opposed to, say, branching out into whether it's learning and development or some other piece that's a bit more segmented within HR? So I found actually a former mentor sat me down when I was trying to decide what I wanted, what it, what I wanted to do within USAA. He asked me, you know, what are the the thing, the three things that you like doing, regardless of the job, but just three things that you think in a job you enjoy doing that make you happy. And for me, it was that it was strategic and so high level thinking, planning out the future, looking forward, the visionary type of work. It was with people. So sitting behind a desk is, is not the job for me. So I needed to be in a, a team environment where there was people interaction and that there was opportunities to solve problems. And so in those three things I've used to evaluate different roles to see whether I would pursue them. So for HR, what I've liked about the strategy work is that it fulfills all of those for me. There's that definitely strategic long-term thinking it's not the tactical solve this problem. It's getting ahead and thinking and solving out the big, the big problems that will take, you know, phased approaches in order to solve and things that you have to, to, to kind of organize and think out long term that have a lot of moving pieces. So when you're talking about HR strategy, I like it because it hits all of the different functions with HR. You have to think about the strategy as a whole, not just the strategy for L and D or the strategy for, you know rewards or benefits or for people development. And it's the whole aspect. You can work with particular functions within that. But I like that big picture and and that part that it's usually a team of people that are working on it is important to me as well. And then solving problems. So I've liked that the strategy work allows me to, to be around things that I'm passionate about. So employee engagement, employee empowerment, those are things that I didn't realize that's what they were called. <laughs> you know, for the military, it was like, yeah, I have my soldiers, just they just go do it. That empowerment, we didn't talk about it as empowerment. It was just, that's what you do. You trust your people and they go do their jobs. Whereas on the civilian side, when they would talk about, we got to empower our people to go and make a decision. Well, yeah, that's kind of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and, and so it was that difference of being passionate about helping people achieve all that they can achieve, but on that broader scale and helping a company influence and impact their employees in order to achieve not only what they want to achieve as individuals and as employees, but from a, a company perspective and achieving goals and, and their long-term strategies. So if I understand you correctly, one, having a really clear idea of what, what the commander's intent is, if you will. Yeah. And then from there, you wanted to have like a broad spectrum across the entire HR space rather than focusing in one particular segment mm-hmm. and knowing kind of within that role, what gives you energy and that sui sponte or taking the initiative isn't necessarily a given when you pivot. Yeah. So from there, how did you how did you stumble upon USAA? I guess what what did that engagement look like? Was it hey, I go to Search Academy Career Conference? Did they engage you differently? How did you? What programs did you take to get to there where you are now? I did actually work with a headhunter for a while, and I enjoyed going to the conferences that they had that they put on, and work with, and that helped me weed out like okay, I I don't want to do retail <laughs> while I like to shop for myself sometimes. I do not want to be, I want, don't want to do real tail sales. I realize I don't, I'm not a sales person in the sense that I'm going to go and sell medical devices or sell this or that. Not my thing. <laughs> so I started with that. I did interviews. I actually interviewed with an energy company to do HR for them. And, and so it was, it was working well for me. They'd done some assessments on, from their end as to like what kind of jobs would fit me. 
I did though go to a service academy career conference in May. So it's the big one in DC that they generally have. And when I was there, there was a USAA table and I was living in New York at the time, I stationed at West Point. And I had been in the city and my car had got, it was a hit and run. Somebody swipe swiped my car while it was parked on the street. And it was my first like auto claim. And I called USA and they you know took care of everything. And so I went by the table because they were listed as sponsor just to say thank you. So you never see these USA people in real life. So I want to go and like actually say thank you. I know it's not them, but like, I just want to tell them, you know, thank you. And, you know, <laughs> I go to the table and I'm talking to this man and he's like, well, yeah. So have you thought about working for us? And I said, well, yeah, but you guys are here as a sponsor. You're not hiring, are you? He's like, no, we're starting this junior military officer career development program. You know, if you're interested, you know, <laughs> do you have an, a resume? I think I probably gave myself a paper cut, like whipping that resume out and giving it to him. Yeah, so I, I went to the table to say thank you and ended up getting a job. I, that was May, June, I went out for an interview. And then I started, actually, while I was on terminal leave, I started in, in August. Uh, that year, right after that. And so it wasn't planned as much as I'm a planner. <laughs> it wasn't where I thought I'd end up, but definitely where I needed to be. That's good. I mean, to have that like strong, like reaction where it's like, oh, like I know this company personally. And now I have the opportunity to kind of like extend that feeling. And so when you were deciding to leave, what were you ultimately trying to like solve or optimize for? It seemed like you still like the HR space. Was it a matter of flexibility? Was it a matter of location? Like kind of what was those things that you're like, I'm not necessarily having this in the military. Where can I go and find this next? So the leaving the, what was the reason to leave the military? To There was a point where I realized that it did not matter how much I put into my career in the military. I already knew what I would get paid. Not that the money was what I was doing it for, but I also realized that my peers, this is not, we would all get paid the same amount, even if I went the extra effort, you know, extra mile there was not as much of an incentive to go that extra mile unless it's just innately within you. And so I, I was a little bit frustrated with that when I kind of had that realization. And so there was also a point that, you know, my class had had a lot of, of KIAs at that time. Well, I mean, still had a lot, but I had come to a place where I needed to change. And had some medical things going on as well. And so that was a push to like, maybe I need to think outside of the military, which I mean, I went in purpose of, okay, I'm going to do my 20 years and then I'm going to go back to see instructor. That was my life plan because I'd had such an impact from, from Sergeant Williams that that was the plan. Start for 20 years, get out, be an ROTC instructor back in Houston. And it was really hard for me to reconcile that that was not going to be the future. If I got out and didn't do the 20 years. And, and so I wanted to find a, a place or a role or a job where I still was able to have an impact on the military community and, but have a little bit more control over my life and over where I lived and what I did and what I was paid. And so that was the, the kind of the push to look outside of the army and look into the civilian sector the company, you know, that I found was met the, you know, supporting the military. So USA's whole mission was about, you know, facilitating the financial security of, of members and military members in the military community. So I felt like it was a way to still be close, but not have to wear the uniform and still have an impact on a positive impact on military families without serving and, and allowed me to pick where I could live and pick what my job was 
and have more career over my performance and my pay for my performance, as well as my career trajectory. Because, you know, the, the military has such a, you know, it's clear when you go up promotion boards and, and when you achieve the ranks that will get you these things. And I kind of wanted to be able to control my own destiny when it came to my career path and whether I wanted to accelerate that or not. That's helpful. So one, just a lot going on, I think, depending on your class. My class, I know we had several KIAs, but depending on your group, just a lot going on, looking for a bit more stability. And then also just kind of ready to make that switch when you know mentally it's about that time. Can you also talk about how do you pivot from the military to the corporate side when it comes to like wellness and self-care? Because at least for me, I know the West Point gospel was like, A, like you're Superman, Superwoman, and like lead your soldiers from the front all day, every day, rain, sleet, sun or shine, broken leg and all. <laughs> it's funny you say like that broken leg and all. Yes, clearly it, it's been a process. It really has been. You know, I, I was thinking, I was telling somebody about the time we were, you know, at Lake Frederick and our class had been rained on the entire time we were out in the field. And we did a ruck march up there in the rain and I just felt really tired. Ended up that not only was I tired, I had like 104 fever and had to go to the hospital and get an IV, but I didn't want to look like fit for the medic to get me to actually like take my temperature and, and force me to go to the hospital. It took a lot. And I was a cadet. And so by the time I got out of the military, there are a lot of things that I just, you know, I put up with for my, I wasn't great at self-care. <laughs> I don't even know that self-care was even really talked about when I you know, got out of the military <laughs> as much as it is now. I think I, through the last at least five years, years have really come to a place where I carve out that time for myself. And I realized that I was a better leader for it when I focused on you know, my physical health, my medical health, my mental health, my emotional health, recognizing that I need that hour of yoga because that's an hour to get out of my brain, just always going and, and thinking and doing things and going through my to do a mile a minute. Focusing on my breathing in yoga is like the best hour that I can take. And I'm a better person, more calm, more less irritated and less annoyed than, than if I don't have that hour, even from the sense of, of taking time to take a vacation. So people are like, oh, you're in the military. You must've traveled and done a lot of things. I'm like, well, yeah, I was in Korea though. So like we worked six days a week. So no, I didn't really take vacations. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna take a day trip or I'm gonna do this. And so carving out that time for, for vacations or time with my family to prioritize that. And now, you know, realize that that is self-care. You do have to take care of your emotions, you know, dealing with, you know, what's it like to be a woman at West Point? And I'm like, what answer do you want to hear? <laughs> like, are you asking me because you truly want to know? Or are you asking me because you want me to give you, you know, the party line answer? And so a lot of those things that I, and being, a, you know, a woman in the military and a person of color that we kind of just think are acceptable, you realize that they're not acceptable. They're not things that you have to kind of put up with. You can speak up for yourself and you can be your advocate and and advocate for other people who aren't able to speak up for themselves and be that voice within a company or within a group that can demonstrate that not just self-care for yourself, but care for other people. So I think it's been an evolution for me. So just being mindful of one, all of those different things in the transition process that it's going to take time to adjust, but two, that when you step into this corporate space, 
you don't have to have the only color I care about is green. You can, you know, your various identities yeah. and to bring more of your full self to work to a degree. Right. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily keep those lives separate and you can, you can be yourself. You can be more authentically yourself and who you are and voice your opinions. <laughs> so those kind of things are are not, you know, things that we did really, that we focused on in the military, but definitely as in my civilian corporate life, have been able to really bring to the forefront. All, all amazing points. And as you've shared kind of these multiple lessons learned, you mentioned kind of the programs. Were there any like books, podcasts, or other resources that come to mind that could help, you know, future officers, enlisted soldiers looking to make that transition? There weren't necessarily books then that I was reading. It was really a lot of research. I did a lot of research into companies, into myself. I, I Strength Finders, I get that is a book. So <laughs> Strength Finders, I did that as I was transitioning with, as a part of the, uh, the company that I was working with, they had us do the strength finders assessment. And it was, as I was reading through it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that does really well. And so I was able to kind of learn around these things that were innately in mind that I was able to, to kind of define and, and use when I was interviewing. Cause I was like, oh, now I can say I'm an achiever. This is what I do. These are the things that I do. And here's how to explain it in words that aren't military jargon. <laughs> Other, you know, strength banners is, you know, very easy to use language and wording that applies in the business world that I could describe instead of saying, you know, I can lead a platoon. When you got to explain what platoon is, you got to, <laughs> something that goes into that. And so that, that one really, it also gave me some, some ahas about, you know, about who I was and what things would keep me engaged as well in reading those descriptions and reading the the Strength Finders book. So a couple of questions that brings up. When you say do your research, like what does that look like? Especially since, right, companies, they do amazing marketing and like it gets yeah. one size fits all in so many different right. things. How did you take that to like the next level? Mm-hmm. Um, so for the research side, I did... I work with um, some veteran organizations now that help veterans transitioning at, from the civilian or from the military to the civilian side that are a lot more advanced than what I had when I got out. I'm like, God, if that had been around when I was getting out, because they will bring the companies to you. <laughs> you know, they will bring these big, you know, uh, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies to the veterans and talk about their companies and provide, you know, direct contacts with their their recruiting teams. Um, from the research side for me back then, and and even now as I have moved companies in, throughout my career and, and left USA and, and now as a business owner, I am doing the research by, one, I'm looking up, you know, what are the company pillars? What do they have online? But are they, are they demonstrating that in action? So I will talk to employees, go through, I went through LinkedIn and talk to employees, people that I knew who worked for these companies and asked them. You know, when they say that their company culture is about, you know, diversity now that everyone is talking about diversity. 10 years ago, you didn't find a, a chief diversity officer in a company unless you're at West Point in the military and you had a diversity office. You know, they were making sure that they're walking the walk and that just talking the talk and having, you know, all the right words on their website. But what are they actually doing in the company? So that research includes not just looking up their values and what they write you know, on their website, but talking to the employees, current and former, because you'll find that, you know, what a company looks like today 
may not be a company that'll look like five years ago and what have they done and how they evolved to get to where they are today will help you understand where they're going and whether you want to be a part of that journey or not. Whether it's a big company or a startup, learning who found you know founded a company. I work with, with a West Point graduate who's founded a sustainability company. And one of the reasons that I came on board as an advisor was because I knew him and I knew his vision and I could see where I could help him achieve those things. Um, but I also knew what he brought to the table. And other startups, you know, if you know the founder and you know that they're passionate, you know who they are, that might be, a, you know, something that you want to get on board with, whether it's a nonprofit or you starting your own business. Part of that research recently for me has been, okay, I'm looking at the companies, I'm talking to the employees. I just don't get a warm fuzzy. Like it's great working for them. You know, I like this company, I like that company, but when it when can I work for myself? And so along my history, I have, you know, I've had properties. You mentioned the real estate investment. I've had a couple of properties. I've managed them over the years. And at some point I realized, you know, like I could do this as a business. <laughs> Why am I continuing to work for someone else and have someone else tell me? when I have to work from home or when I need to come to the office, when I you know need to take PTO or where I can go or what I can do or how much PTO I can take. I came to that point now in my career where I want to truly fulfill that plan years ago. And I was like, I want to control my own destiny. And that's why I got out of the army and really truly control it myself <laughs> and go into business for myself. And, and so that's why I've made the jump now to business because I want to be able to have that ultimate control over where I go and what I can achieve. And, and that, but that research itself, you know, going into small business ownership and franchising required, again, those same things that I said, looking at the company, what are the, what are people saying about them? Are they getting awards? Do they actually act on what they say or do they just talk a lot of words? Talking to other owners really helps you get a feel for, you know, like gut feeling, like, is this something that is right for me or do I need to go a different way? No, all great points. Like really digging into the company's values and then continuing the conversations. Kind of the last few points you mentioned now that you're starting kind of on your own destiny. Can you talk about kind of what brought you back to that that zone? Was it COVID? Was it just enough experience in corporate to see that big organizations and people operate very similarly? Kind of what what's that genesis? What I realized looking back, and I don't know if it was necessarily COVID, because I Years ago, my dad had been on me, I think after my second or third house, he was like, you know, you just need to get your real estate license. You've been doing this like on the side. Why aren't you like doing this for real? And I was like, I think it was a point there that I was just like, well, you know, I have a corporate job. It's nice. You know, I, I get paid well. I get benefits. Um, I can do that and do this. And so there wasn't that necessarily that push. Maybe it was COVID in the sense of I was home and I enjoyed setting my my work schedule within my house. And though I'm outgoing and I like being around people, I did like the convenience of being in my house and working from home. And that may have, may have been a push now that I guess you mentioned, I think about it. But I realized that as I started seeing companies across all industries, post-COVID having layoffs, you know, being in HR and, and one scene how companies were dealing with return to office, both very well and some very you know, not well at all. I had my own feeling of, you know, I've been loyal. I've been, you know, I gave, not that I gave my life, but I've been dedicated and loyal to working for someone else for so long, whether it was the army and then at USA and then my, you know, at other companies. When is it that I'm loyal to myself? 
And that question of my dad in the back of my mind, whenever I was feeling like I needed a little more or something else from my corporate life, I would invest in a house, <laughs> remodel it, and then rent it out. Or I would <laughs> buy, you know, r- r- fix up my house, rent it out, and buy another one. And so going back to the real estate, I, I always went back to it. And so it became a question of if it's something that I know how to do, I've managed my own properties, what's holding me back? And I didn't have a good answer for myself. You know, I'm single. I don't have any kids. I don't have really anyone to worry about, you know, besides me and my dogs. And why not try and see if that's really all that I think it is? And so far it has been, Um, you know, I've enjoyed being able to make my own schedule, take my own risks while they're calculated risks, betting on myself and being loyal to myself, seeing other people go through at companies and not having a plan and not having anything else to do. They've been there for 30 or 40 years and the company's like, hey, sorry, we're we're you know we're reducing our workforce. I thought I need to take advantage of the opportunity that I had and get out. If you want to say get out of the army when I found another opportunity and getting out of the civilian life um, or the corporate life in order to go into to business for myself and really build something that belongs to me and that I can grow and develop in order to, you know, achieve that, that life goal of, you know, not having to work until I retire, but, you know, work because I want to work and, um, and also bring positive opportunities for the community and people who look like me and people who need to hear about opportunities when it comes to real estate investing. You know, it's often look like a, an older generation, a, a um, not diverse group of people necessarily that are always investing or that you see have, you know, millions of dollars in property or own a city because they own all the property. And I think that now's the time for people who, people of color, women who are able to, to reach those same places of generational wealth because they have found that they can achieve real estate and, and also providing, you know, safe and clean homes for other people to rent from them. All, all amazing points. Do you feel like you would have made that jump earlier? Or do you feel like it was necessary to like go through the corporate process to like come to this realization? You know, my, my, my dad was asking me that the other day because he's been the one like, you should have done this before. I think it was important. It was interesting as I was going through business week and learning about my new business and the different aspects. Each of the roles that I had in my previous lives, whether it was the army or, or, or corporate life, I can see them playing out in small business ownership. And so I don't think I would change anything. I think everything happened for a reason. I did all of those roles, whether I planned them out in life or I didn't. I learned something from each of them that I'm applying now. And I wouldn't have thought in doing those jobs, you know, 15, 10, five years ago, that that nugget or that person that I knew then would come back now and be a part of this next phase of my life. So no, I think God put you, God put me in the right places where I need to be. And so, well, I still wish he might have, <laughs> I might have gotten that license, my real estate license earlier. I think, I think everything led me to the place here. No, all amazing points out. Uh, great neck wisdom for people that want to like reach out and continue to follow your journey. Is there somewhere where they can follow you or connect with you on social media or your website or follow your property manager real estate investing journey? 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm on LinkedIn and as Alice Garcia, so you can find me there. I've also got the business Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. So it's Real Property Management First Class. We're here in San Antonio, Texas. And then I'm also personally on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, we definitely really appreciate your time, Alice. You give us a lot of good nuggets of wisdom from good book recommendations to great soul searching questions to ask ourselves. So thank you again so much. Thanks. I appreciate it.